1: Hello, this is Smash Tower at Fan Fusion. I almost called it Con Air. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a, I, this is for Con Air, but we are at Fan Fusion. This is three day three of uh, a fantastic event, and now I am all tongue-tied and having issues talking today. I'm it's all that running, uh, and I am with my friend Sarah. I'm going to go let you head introduce yourself to rest of the Way. Sure. I'm Hi,
2: I'm Sarah Fujimura. I write for Teens and the Young at Heart.
1: That's always wicked. <laughs> and there's definitely lots of those out here.
2: <laughs> yes, and I love to see fan-, fan Fusion. There's so many families here, and sometimes they all cosplay the same thing. Sometimes we get to see different fandoms coming together, um, and I just love to see it, because I write for Generation Z, and our Generation Alpha is coming up, and they're under 10 years old, so just working on creating things that represent their world
1: and yeah and there's so many different things that have changed for per generation you know uh, when we were growing up someone talked about you had a phone call then you had to run back to your house to take a phone call you didn't have it in your pocket yes so and then people are like well I you know I wish I would have gotten photos of this when I was younger and I said yeah but we didn't have cameras like that were that yeah and
2: so now you see you know kids in the grocery store and they're 18 months old and mom will hand them or dad will hand them their phone and they're already like swiping they know how to open it up and get to their favorite app and you know generation alpha doesn't know a time without touchscreens right generation the older generation z so my kids are 23 and 21 so they're at the very top of generation z um the younger kids have known touchscreens for a long time but just the technology has changed and I just think it's fascinating. And one of the things that, you know, we've, during the pandemic, one of the things that was really cool is we all started consuming media from around the world because we, we you know, we make a joke about well, I finished Netflix, now I'm moving on to Hulu, that I, you watched all the shows that you normally would watch that's in your wheelhouse. And then you started watching stuff, it's like, well, you know what, I'm gonna give this French show a try. Yeah. I'm gonna watch this Korean drama. It's not using my bag, but I, you know, I love it. And so people were trying a bunch of different things and a lot of parents, you know, let their kids watch um, children's television from around the world sometimes it's sub sometimes it's dubbed sometimes it's in the native language and my favorite story is is my friend who has a a very young child whose child was watching peppa pig so peppa pig is a british show and so her daughter came up to her one day and said mommy can i have a biscuit and she's like who is this child this is not my child but you know those kids are watching it from around the world and so they expect to you know see more media that looks like that so creators like us we, you know, we have to reflect that back to them and we have to know what um, the different marginalized communities are talking about and make sure that we adjust our art to represent that.
1: Yeah, it, it's funny because I mean, over, we're down here and you know, where we've been grown up using uh, US uh, TV shows, US TV, uh, TV shows, and then uh, then it's kind of broke into a little bit of the BBC. So we're starting to see a little bit of the BBC. But now that everything comes out on an app, you can virtually get shows and programs, and, and and from all over the country, and then you have to kind of integrate your mind in the language that, because they have different wording for the things that we call certain things, um, and it, it's it's really kind of a weird offset. And you know, like when you were talking about the the child that uh, started using well, that a British, British accent, British yes. Accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't take long because uh, when I came back from uh, Nova Scotia coming back down to here I went through Texas and I was in Texas for three for three days going through Texas um, and I came out with a well, uh, Texas uh, draw <laughs> so I'm like oh man I was doing y'all on everything yeah
2: <laughs> it, I mean, you just pick up stuff as you go um, yeah so one of the things I really liked was, and this is what we're going to be talking about on our panel today: is the diversity of um, there's a show called Lupin. Lupin is a French show, and he is a like a master thief. And Lupin is it's been in like French canon for a long time, but this version of it is an African man who is, he's French, but he's of African descent. So right. just like taking those little pieces and turning them on their heads. So, you know, with Doctor Who, having, you know, a woman doctor for the first time for a while. And those things that uh, we get a lot of pushback on them. But that idea of like, no, we need to. We need to expand the story and give different different types of stories. And if you are a true fan, you're excited by that.
1: Well, it's like the new uh, Thor that's coming out. Yeah. Thor Love and switches. Thunder, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Thor switches. He goes, it's all yours. <laughs> yeah. Well, so
2: it's going to be interesting to see.
1: And yeah, I'm gonna be kind of curious about that because I, I was never thinking that that was going to be the kind of character that she would portray. So I'm gonna be very interested in seeing it. It's how it seems to me that it's gonna be more love story uh, comedy than anything else. But
2: we'll who see. knew that that Chris Hemsworth was so funny? I, I loved him in Ghostbusters,
1: uh-huh.
2: um, and I love how he you know he turned his Thor character around and made him into you know much more uh, inter three dimensional. So one of the things I've been doing at my booth, because I have this diversity panel coming up, is each day I have a this or that kind of thing. So I have little dots, little sticky dots, and I have you compare things. So the first day it was Wonder Woman versus She-Hulk. So the bigger conversation was, uh, you can't see me, I'm a white woman, I'm 51 years old, and I grew up with Linda Carter as my Wonder Woman. Right. But I love Gal Gadot too. Um, But that idea of the older... You know, classic vintage superheroines um, versus the newer ones and the per- portrayals of them. Yesterday, we talked about Black Widow. Who was your favorite Black Widow? Natasha or Yelena? Right. So, Natasha is a woman who's always been like the one kind of Avenger doing all the things by herself. And Yelena, uh, they have almost like a Charlie's Angels kind of component too, where there's widows around the world. So, she right. calls all the widows together and they make things happen. So the Persisterhood coming together. And then today we are talking about who is your favorite, um, Wanda, who's the Scarlet Witch, or uh, Harley Quinn? And you know, and the bigger conversation being women superheroes and villains who have severe mental health issues. And we need to talk about the PTSD and the childhood trauma that Wanda has. And also the toxicity of Harley Quinn. And did is Margot Robbie changing the narrative for especially for younger girls, because a lot of girls love Harley Quinn, but she's in a very, dis- it, traditionally, she's in a very dysfunctional relationship. She's a very intelligent woman, and she gets mixed up with the wrong kind of person. It doesn't necessarily have to be a toxic man. It could be a toxic woman or a toxic non-binary person, but yeah. the idea of like that toxic person that pulls you down and makes very intelligent people do very strange, silly things. So,
1: I think it would be a little bit weird on that one. Uh, how do you treat Harley Quinn I mean, she was a psychiatrist yeah. in the first place. Yeah, so,
2: I mean, doctors make the worst patients, so, you know, can you fix her? But I, I would love to see um, what some, maybe some interviews with Margaret Roby to see if she said, I'm not doing this if we don't change the narrative a little bit. So I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm, would like to go down that rabbit hole sometime when I have a little bit more free time.
1: Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that would be a very drawn-out conversation going, you know, how do you treat a psychiatrist who, who, who basically already knows they're going to ask me this? Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be looking for this, so I just need to know how to hide this, and I'll be out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that there's there is a lot of hidden things back there, uh, and you incorporate some of that kind of um, thought process in your in your books, right? You yeah. Know? So
2: I do a lot of intersectionality intersectional um, fiction telling. So I am a white woman, but I am married to a Japanese man. I have biracial kids and my son is now 21, did not see himself represented in American culture until we got Shang-Chi. There were no Asian men that you saw um, or mixed Asian men. So I started writing books that had mixed Asian men, uh, usually Japanese just because that's what I know more than anything, as the love interest. And I had a hard time getting my first book published. I ended up self-publishing it because I couldn't find a publisher even though I'm writing the same types of stories. And then a little band called BTS came out. So K-pop is a thing and all of a sudden the publishers are like, why don't we have books that have Asian guys or mixed Asian guys in it as the love interest? And so my third book sold very quickly and and the last two books that I have out have Asian boys, mixed Asian boys as the love interest. Cool. So the, the market has now caught up with me. I'm about two years ahead of the curve. The other thing I'm almost two years ahead of the curve is my book, Breathe, which is historical fiction set in 1918 Philadelphia came out in the, for the 100th anniversary in 2018, and we're like, oh, okay. And then two years later, we're all now experts on pandemic living, so this is the last time we had, um, and that's what's been selling the most at Fan Fusion. I, w- I didn't think anybody would really want to read about a pandemic, but apparently they do.
1: Yeah, a lot of people are, 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 are trying to figure out, uh, you know, did we have enough knowledge to be ready for this kind of event i mean in my mindset when this kind of thing comes out i'm always thinking you know dig a hole zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. you know, and they, but it's not in this case it's just something that has got people really fearful for their lives I mean, yeah because you don't know uh you don't know who's infected and you've got so many people nowadays that have become stubborn in traditional ways yes so and and i guess you could call them free thinkers um and i don't i don't like going political but i i I always call them trumpers (laughs) because that he has a lot of those type of followers you know the ones that just don't want to i don't want to make that change and i'm not going to make that change and i'm going to put my feet down and, and i'm going to say this is the way it is so people get this kind of mindset in their heads and some of us are you know, as I said, I'm the one that says I want to dig a hole in the ground and, and I'll do my zombie apocalypse that way. But, you know, now with uh, things like the coronavirus and stuff like that, viruses out there, it's a scary thought.
2: One of the things that was interesting when I was doing research for this book, and I, I started off as a journalist, so I was doing an article in 2006 for the World Health Organization, their, their PAHO is their, one of their magazines, and it was a retrospective on the Spanish flu. And I did so much research and I read a lot of diary entries and postcards from doughboys overseas because it's still World War One, um, newspaper articles. I saw some like really old videos from people who were very elderly at that point. And I loved all the true stories. And so for this pandemic, one of the things I really pushed though, because it was hard for me to find, they were hard for me to find. And so you know, this people didn't talk about the Spanish flu until 2018, or sorry, until 2020. Um, and why why were we not why was it not represented in our art in our culture why did it disappear and now we totally understand because the the trauma and the everyday stress and as we're moving forward we want to forget about it it's like no mm-hmm. i don't want to talk about it we made it through to the other side and we're not through to the other side um but we're getting there uh, but that idea of like that's why especially young people i said you know please you know Write in your diary, create your art, do your TikTok dances. You know, make like, hey, today I learned how to make sourdough bread. The, the, all these things that are like come back around. I'm my grandma. I went to my grandma's house to check on her, and she taught me how to to quilt. Um, anything that you leave behind is your art, and so that's what with my work too. I want to leave behind. This is what it looked like.
1: Right. Even even my mom. When I wrote my little book, uh, my mom turned around and she goes, "Have you printed a hard copy yet?" I said, "No, I haven't." You now because I I didn't. I liked the, the the synopsis of the book, but it it didn't turn out the way I really wanted it to. So I didn't want to print it. I still don't want to really want to print it, but I eventually will print a copy for her. Um,
2: for you? And then that's why I was like, please, you know, create your art, and even if it's just for yourself, or like 10 people, or the whole world, it doesn't matter. Just you know, leave your mark behind. Right. One of the things I've struggled with uh, writing for my next book. Is where to put it. It's like like how to how to reflect the post-pandemic world. So my book that came out July of last year, um, because when you're working with a traditional publisher, they work usually at least 18 months to two years out. We were already into pr- almost into production with it, and they're like, okay, what do we do? Do we make this? You know. Reflect the pandemic world is like no because Leo's family would have gone out of business. There would be no stories. And one of the big scenes is she has a super sweet 16 party with all you know all these kids from school. Like well that they she wouldn't have had that either. No. So um so we just we kind of skipped. We're just pretending like that it was like eh, didn't happen. Uh, for well, that book. the good book. thing
1: well, good thing about books is you can kind of do. But that. But the next
2: book they I actually do address that. That's what I'm working on right now is like the um they're they're big geeks. They love like Phoenix Fan Fusion type of thing. And there's a there's a story that I created um, called Kitsune Mask. And so you see it in Faking Reality, and then you see it again because the in the new book, Fighting Fire with Fire, the boy is a cosplayer. And they talk about the fandom being the thing that helped them get through. And that I think that's very realis- realistic for a and lot of people. It's like I didn't get to see anybody, and especially if you moved around and you didn't have a lot of big friend group, but you had friends around the world because you all loved Star Wars. Right. You all loved Firefly. And these like, I have a connection even if I have no connections in the real world
1: and uh, we had um, a couple years back we had a girl that um, um, when I was doing Sabo yes uh, we were guests at Sabo that so we were actually part of the 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 celebrities and stuff like that and we went to the event that that they had so my my co-host and I were sitting up there we were chatting to some of the other people we already knew and this one girl kind of slowly walked over to us and was standing kind of alongside the group and such and uh, eventually, I, I said, hey, how, how you doing? And uh, come to find out she had uh, sh- huge social disorders. Um, and, and I probably said that incorrectly. Um, she doesn't like large groups. Right. And so she had a hard time communicating, making new friends and stuff right. like that. And she had this idea that if I get a VIP pass, and I can get up into these groups and I can start uh, making myself friends. Yeah. So we started talking to her back and forth. And I turned around and I said, well, you know what you should do? You should come down to our table tomorrow and we'll put you on the podcast. And not only will we put you into that position to where you're talking to people, we're talking to the world. Wow. So you're getting your voice out there. And, and we talked to her and did an interview with her. And then I turned around and said, you need to talk to my friend over there, Nicole because um, uh, she has the same issues. Yeah. She's a cosplayer.
2: Yeah, so just letting so. people that they are, know that they're not alone. Right. And, and that's why we're, we're creating different types of characters. So it might be a throwaway character to somebody, and it might be a world-changing character to somebody else. So just being careful to try to get away from stereotypes, but, and not just checking the box of diversity just so you can pat yourself on the back, do the research, do the work, um, but just being responsible and, and, and letting people see themselves. and and empowering them
1: yeah and and that's what I kind of love about books nowadays because um, and and I hate to say it I'm not an avid reader I'm usually too busy to stop and and read
2: I've started listening to audio books because I I have a hard time sitting down and being still I I don't know if that's a a post-COVID thing where I can't be still anymore I don't know
1: well i 've always had that issue i 'm usually never in the same place for very long, or if i 'm the kind of person that does housework around the house yes. i 'll have, have the dishes going i 'll be vacuuming i 'll be watching TV You're multitasking. And, sewing, <laughs> and sewing at the same time so or, or making books or whatever. but uh, yeah it 's always been that kind of way. So when you know book reading kind of got put to the bottom, put to the bottom, and for the longest time and i bought your books too. Um, I put them on a stack by my bedstand. And every two to three years, I have to go and move them to a shelf because I have no room yeah. on, my yeah. de- on my bed stand but anymore. The one so. good thing
2: about books, though, is that idea of, like, I have books, I'm, I'm the same way, where I have, like, more books I could ever possibly read in my lifetime. Right. But I also collect books, like my friends' books. And, yes, I love their stories, but it's like I'm investing in them. Or right. I... I celebrate them or I was there I was one of their beta readers or something like that where I had a hand on it like I'm I'm so I'm like a proud auntie of like well, you want to see my you want to see my niece and my nephew kind of thing so
1: <laughs> yeah I, well I, I did the same thing with one of the one of the books that I wrote I, I put my uh, my best friend at the time as one of my uh, uh, readers and my wife and stuff there. So they're mentioned in the book, so yes. they got a kick out of that. So if I ever did print the book, I'm going to have to get other copies. Yeah, and then you get to there. do the behind
2: the scenes. And that's what I love, the all the Easter eggs right. that you put in your books. And your close friends are like, oh, I know where that story came from. It's like, that was my story. You took my story. Like-
1: <laughs> we put that one out, and we laid it out for you. No. All right, so... Uh, Where can we normally find you? I mean, I know this you're at the Fan Fusion right now. What's your next convention that you're going to? My next
2: convention is actually in Texas. I've been invited as a guest to OkashiCon, which is in Ploogerville, Texas, which is um, outside of Austin. It is a, if it's not the only one, it's probably one of the few women-run cons. It is a Japanese pop culture con. They do have anime, but they have a lot of Japanese street fashion. They have Lolita fashion. Um, I will be there as the Obento lady. We're going to be making bento. We actually have, a, we have permission from the hotel where we're going to do like a small, like 15 people come. We have all the stuff. and want to teach you how to make bento that you get to eat. So it's, you get to eat afterwards. And I will probably be doing some writing workshops too and signing books. I will be going over to Kinokuniya, which is the Japanese bookstore, and which has been a dream of mine. I get to sign. It's, it's actually after Tanabata, which is 7 7, it's the Starcross Lovers Festival. And my first book is called About to Wish. Um, I'll be doing a book <laughs> signing at Kino Kuniya. So that's a, yay, bucket list. Check it for me.
1: That's always cool. <laughs> um, now, can people find your stuff um, locally?
2: Yes. So you can you can definitely go on to Amazon. But if you can, go to Changing Hands Bookstore. They usually carry all of my books and also several of the Barnes & Nobles in the Phoenix metro area. And I have several signings going on this summer with uh, it's my uh, Hot Summer Nights Cool YA Reads little book tour that I'm doing for Faking Reality because I didn't get to go out on book tour for Faking Reality because of darn you, COVID. Yep. Um, so I will be out at Surprise. I have one at Santan. I have um, one at probably Desert Ridge coming up, too. And it can all be
1: found on your website? Yeah,
2: so I haven't put it on my website yet, but you can go to my website. It's www.sarahfujimura.com. So it's S-A-R-A-F-U-J-I-M-U-R-A.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible on pronunciation, so I'll be going... I just got to oh, I get Fujimara, <laughs>
2: Fujimara. My favorite, though, is Fujimama.
1: Sure, I will you, answer Fujimama. That Fujiyama,
2: is no, Fujiyama is Mount Fuji. It's like, yeah. no, please don't call me Mount Fuji. But I will answer <laughs> to Fujimama.
1: That is good. That's good. So I hope you do have a fantastic Sunday. It is the last day of the con. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, everyone will come by and buy your books for you. Thank
2: you so much, Rob. I really appreciate it. You guys have always been such, such big supporters, and I, I appreciate you.
1: Yeah, well, that's what we're here for. We like to get everybody out there. <laughs> All right. Well, have yourself a great day. hi ho guys. This is Smash Tower Con Air Radio, Four Con Air Radio, at the Fan Fusion Day 3. Last day, and we are getting some of our interviews in. We are interviewing Raina Art today, and um, how are you doing?
3: <laughs> I am doing fantastic. This is the best show of the year, hands down.
1: And it, you know that for a fact because you used to live here, so...
3: I sure did. Like, what, 10-year veteran, I think, by now, maybe yep. 11.
1: <laughs> and and now you have to, you're doing the, I'll be the returning artist now, so you mm. have to fly in. As we were talking before, you had to pick and prod what material you brought because you only had so much space
3: (laughs) yes and not only that you have to sit there and wonder am i bringing enough during the whole covid shutdown let me tell you like it was hard because we have all this product that we've accumulated for years and years and years and then because i wasn't distracted trying to schedule flights and trying to schedule tables and um I don't know, it was just really weird taking the opportunity to focus on bettering my craft. Right. So you take all of those distractions away and really hone it in. I was really concerned about doing more male anatomy. I was really concerned about doing um, Kickstarters which I know a lot of people have been doing forever, but it took an apocalyptic event for me to get on board with that. And right. honestly, I don't know what I was so afraid of. <laughs>
1: I have a friend, uh, he's here also, and he's an author-illustrator. And he, uh, he's he been doing Kickstarters for, like, years. And that's right. It's cool because, they you know, it gets your product going. It Not only that,
3: but wow, it's neat to pull up the shipping map and go wow these regions these zones these continents that i may never actually visit are buying something that i produce how did they hear about me are they following me or the art or the subject matter or like it's really really interesting to see where these things are going right and do they know me personally or do they are they a whole new audience, and it is just absolutely fascinating to see the reach that Kickstarter has opened, as well as um, in the future what new areas are happening. So I have um, never been to Australia, but I have a couple of people that are buying me from there. Uh, Hong Kong, I have somebody's buying from there. And it's just like, good lord. I mean, God bless them for investing in the local artist from middle of nowhere, (laughs) Illinois, much less a two decade veteran from Phoenix. I mean, wow.
1: And and where did they find your art? That's the the other issue. Here, you know, you can walk through, you get attached to the artist because they're, you know, here every year and you're like, okay, I, I support this art, I love this art but when you're getting somebody going, was it someone who was from Australia, just happened to be walking through the con, or? Yeah, who knows?
3: I, that's, just, that's just it, you, you don't want to pry too much, because there's something to be said about, oh, I just liked it and I wanted to buy it, much less like give them 20 questions about how they found you and what they expect to have in the next 10 year what would they expect from me right I don't know it's a lot it's a lot to comprehend and understand and I am just excited to be a part of the journey um, at least we had the internet at least we had social media at least we had these platforms for crowdfunding and trying to hone our skills because it has helped so much Um personal goals that I was doing during the shutdown was I was doing a lot of original art. I was doing a lot of sketch cards. Um, I took the time to do, uh, or to reach out and do indie creator cover art. So I've gotten a chance to work for Ethereal Comics doing Greed and Big uh, Babes Gore and Dinosaurs and if it hops is like the latest chance that i am excited oh my goodness she's the cutest little bunny but she's a sniper like assassin <laughs> sniper oh so. my gosh i love it love it love it love it um and then um i've gotten to work with wendy shaner with naughty stripper fairy assassins like who doesn't love that i didn't realize i was so good at drawing strippers i'm all <laughs> about it clothes are hard is
1: that with or without the pole <laughs>
3: Both. Both. It's magical. Okay. Gotta,
1: gotta have the pole involved. Right,
3: right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been exciting to work with some amazingly passionate writers and artists. Um, I've just recently gotten to uh, do some covers and sketch cards for Kara's uh, Fire Bitch, which is currently live on Kickstarter.
1: Yeah, I saw
3: And And uh, she just wrapped up Cosplay Craze, uh, her... Uh, her uh, sketch card set uh, revolving around her particular cosplays that she's produced right I mean the amount of diversity that that woman has Wow
1: I've interviewed her before so right? yeah Isn't
3: she, she's the total package
1: yeah she's got a little bit of everything going Yeah, she on. does you remember I remember a few years ago she actually ran for an office we
3: have her t-shirt <laughs> oh yeah you betcha Oh, yeah.
1: I had her on my podcast uh, that year when she was still going. And uh, one, of my, uh, one of my co-hosts at the time was uh, not impressed. And boy, was he vocal about it. So
3: mm, That's okay. You know what? she had something to say and she put it out there in the world and you do nothing if you don't try
1: that's true and And it was kind of funny because she did cost me a co-host out of that but (laughs) he decided to move on he's like you know i'm yeah i'm done <laughs> so I'm like, okay. That's
3: okay. That's okay. We cannot please absolutely everybody because if we did that, we would do nothing. We would do nothing.
1: And that's part of the problem sometimes people say when it comes to politics is, very is much there's so. so much people that are doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But I don't like to talk about politics. No, so no, let's no. Not no totally fine.
3: Right. <laughs> I don't either. But I do know that when I get very passionate about art, I know that I some, sometimes draw things that maybe other people don't appreciate but you know what I accept that one day or sorry not one day one month out of the entire year I just sort of caution to the wind I'm like I know I need to draw men and the only way that you can really draw men is if you get sex that sells and that's what I do but I don't just draw that I draw a lot of um I'm focusing more on structural anatomy. I'm focusing more on overlapping shape. I'm focusing on all inclusivity, whether it's um, uh, well, LGBTQ. Um, right. A lot of uh, oh, I just I just don't want anybody to ever feel that they're left out or not represented. It means the world to me that I I can include more than what i consider normal
1: well the good thing about art that gives everybody the flexibility of going i'm i'm going to try to find a way to bring this theme this Mm -hmm. subject matter to the surface so that you know more people can can see it absolutely and it is definitely a i'm not going to say well, I shouldn't say growing industry. It is something that it's is already been
3: there for a long time. But it
1: was always hidden before. But, behind. yes, it's
3: been so taboo for so long that it's really hard to go, yeah, 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 this is new and cutting edge. No, it's been there. But I know that I want to be a better artist in mm-hmm. so many facets. I want to be able to draw butterflies and bees and plants and, oh, my God, help me cityscapes and two-dimensional three-dimensional perspective oh my goodness that is the worst and is the hardest thing for an uh an artist like myself who likes to draw very organically to have to structure and measure and go beyond the page in order to get the right angles well
1: the cool thing about it is this it, like where you were talking about bugs and and, and stuff like that it's Whip out the camera, switch it over to macro, get, you know, go to a place like uh, the Butterfly uh, Observatory or Arboretum, whatever, where, yeah. where you can go and get really close detailed photos, mm-hmm. and then you've got a huge amount of research material. So. Oh, yes. Uh, like
3: I said, the internet has been a game changer for a lot of artists, and but right. nobody has to draw realistically but there is room for everybody in art, whether they do cubism or they like to do splash art or they like to do realism like myself. There's a a certain style that everybody can bring to it and there's no wrong way to do that art. You can't please everybody. No,
1: that's true. But
3: you can be very happy about what you produce and you can put it out there for others to enjoy.
1: I've actually thought about the, you know, I'm not an artist at all, and I could never get to be an artist in my age. And by the time I mastered it, I'd be dead, like, 30 years. <laughs> but the point being is, is that there are certain things that I think that would be really good to switch. Like, for example, uh, you were talking about the insects and stuff, you know, putting some kind of science fiction to them. Uh, and have a, a dragonfly that you can ride and it's got you know gun barrels or something on the side of it and I, I there are times where and the details of the insect which really would make that stand out so much more oh sure so, but yeah there, there's definitely a lot of room for flexibility when it comes to artwork and that's the cool thing about artwork because um, under normal circumstances you know Like DC and Marvel and stuff like that, they copyright everything. But it's being able to have your variation, your fling onto it, which makes it to where you go. This is the way I see this character. Correct. And Mm -hmm. so this is the way it goes well for me. (laughs) And it's interesting to see. And it's a lot of people are are out nowadays doing. I, I call it cross pollination, but it's basically—it's <laughs> you got guys playing girl characters, girls playing guys characters, uh, and then you've got characters that are being crossed between different characters. Mm-hmm. So, um, like the gentleman you had here earlier, he was asking—you know—he this is what I'm wearing, and people are trying to find out—is it a, you know a cross between multiple type of characters? And I'm like, that adds a lot of interpretation
3: it does it does so. and it's great to be able to like do the gender switch and to see how that gets to be interpreted and at, loki for instance is a perfect opportunity to like switch between the either female or alligator or male or whatever and
1: i've seen a, there was a, yep. a couple of good female ones here yeah. th- this weekend so yep i was excited about that and then of course i've already seen a female uh, lore so yep. just second. Okay, so where can we find you on uh, social networking?
3: Mm, social media. I'm definitely on Instagram under reyna, R-E-Y-N-A, underscore art, A-R-T. I'm also on Facebook, also under reyna, R-E-Y-N-A, dot art, A-R-T. I am also around on uh, several of the con circuits. Right now I've got Comic Palooza coming up in Houston coming July, middle of July. Uh, I got accepted into C2E2, so I'll definitely be up in the Chicago region come August. I'm fairly certain it'll be like the first weekend of August. I've applied to New York City Comic Con, so keep your fingers crossed, people. I'm hoping to make it out there in October, and we'll definitely be in Las Vegas,
1: amazing lot. La- oh, I'm sorry.
3: Amazing Vegas. Amazing Las Vegas Comic Con comes September. In case they happen to maneuver that one around again. again oh goodness. Yeah, right. yeah
1: I, I was actually thinking about going there the, this year myself, which would have been the first con outside of Arizona for us. So. Oh. It would fantastic. Be ex- it would be exact- exciting, but I also have um, a Game On Expo coming up in August taking a couple of days off right after that. And I'm yeah. like, and then I have Sabo in September. So Ooh, not super sh- deeper. not sure financially where I can fit that one in. Yep,
3: yep, yep. I know that it has been a struggle for a lot of people here lately and everything's opening back up. We all wanna do the all the stuff and all the things. But thank goodness we have social media. Thank goodness we have the internet. Thank goodness we are a click away because. yep. Just because we can't be close doesn't mean that we can't still be involved and it feels really good to be able to like reach out to people. Two things real quick though, okay. I forgot, I do a weekly podcast on Artist Alley Shopping Network which is on Facebook. Just type in Artist Alley Shopping Network and it pops up. There's several artists including Rafino, and. Uh, Alfred and Kara, and right. um, I don't know, CB Zane. A lot of people go up there and do a an, uh, weekly podcast. So on Tuesdays from 9 a.m. to 11, no, sorry, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I do Tuesday drawing and uh, just kind of chit chat and I don't know, work up pieces. And then on Sunday night, that's the big show. We do a big drink and draw uh, virtually with Tom Hutchinson from Big Dog Inc. He hosts uh, myself, Marissa Pope, Mike DiBalfo, and Ryan Kincaid. We do a, I don't know, we feature a Kickstarter uh, during our, our weekly podcast and draw the main characters or whatever characters that they list up on their Kickstarter. They get to talk about their campaign. We get to hang out and you know chat yeah, and everybody gets clear. to draw and then those sketches actually go up for sale so it's a great opportunity to get a one-of-a-kind piece from any of us artists and to know more about the campaigns that get featured so those are sunday night, from i think it's 9 p.m to 11 p.m on sunday eastern standard time
1: cool so, we can definitely invite everybody get the opportunity to check out your work live I guess or podcasting. So that's always, that's always interesting you know and that's the cool thing about podcasting you can always do it
3: oh yeah you know, so. and then if you miss the show you can at least go back and watch it or um, see what the uh, scrub to the end to see what the pieces look like or whatnot reach right. out to the artist and be like hey can I see the the end result of what you drew on this last Sunday kind of thing yeah. it's really really fun I have been producing some of the best sketches that I have ever made on these shows and learning more about these Kickstarter um, events that they've got hosted. It is a fantastic opportunity and I am so blessed to be a part of it. We've just celebrated our one year anniversary on that show and if you'd like to know more about it, please reach out to Tom Hutchinson with Big Dog Inc. He hosts it and he's always looking for people with active uh, uh, Kickstarters coming up. So, and it's not uh, exclusive to just the U.S. Anybody worldwide could be a part of it.
1: Sweet, sweet. Well, I'm sure our, our listeners are gonna definitely may jump in on that because uh, Perfect. they're worldwide, so. Oh, sure, oh, sure. All right, so we'll just call it in here, and hopefully we can get you to sell more art so you can be out there. <laughs>
3: Thank you so much for having me, and hope everybody's doing A-OK.
1: And hopefully we'll see you again next year. Oh, mm. my
3: goodness. I'm already looking forward to it.
1: I'm already going to withdraw. Mm. <laughs> All right, see you later. hi ho guys. This is Smash Tower for Con Air Radio, and we are on Day 3. The last day of Phoenix Fan Fusion, and we are with Sotastic. So, give us a description of what you've got here.
4: Hi, I'm Ashley with So Ash Tastic, and I make handmade purses, bags, and other small accessories. Um, they're very structured bags, um, most likely to lounge, fly backpacks and purses. All very pop culture and comic themed.
1: Definitely, I see a lot of stuff that I'd be going. I, if I carried a bag like that, I would. I would get a bag <laughs> like that. But most of them are exactly not my style. But they have such the cool fabrics, you know. And then you do a lot with uh, vinyl. The the vinyl.
4: Yes, I do a lot of with uh, vinyl and faux leather. Uh, I recently, very luckily, purchased my industrial sewing machine, so I could really take my sewings to the next level.
1: That's always cool, and I mean, I guess if you always want, now you can always go to a, uh, an auto department store or something like that. Going, I need some big, thick stuff. <laughs> I need some really thick stuff. Do you have this? And they're going. Occasionally,
4: oh. occasionally, I've gone to uh, marine yards when I would visit family back east, and they would have marine vinyl, and ah. they just, you know, happily discard yards of it, and.
1: That's always it's good. Not, what, not. <laughs> yeah, if you can get it for cheap or get it for free, that's even better. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you have a lot of unique stuff. I mean, I've seen um, a little bit of the, I think I saw Star Wars, but I see um, that one is Alice in Wonderland, I believe. Yeah,
4: Alice in Wonderland. There's some, you know, Disney, Disney Halloween. Um, most, I would say 99.9% of my fabric prints are is fabric um purchased from artists so the uh the rights to the art is purchased directly from the artist and then it's printed on demand
1: that's cool uh, my, my wife and i do something similar and uh but we usually just already pre-made fabrics mm-hmm. but i have thought about you know seeing if we can find someone who has something specific um, because uh, a lot of uh, anime Yes. It's not yes. on fabric as much as that I would like no, to see No, absolutely.
4: It. And that's kind of how, uh, how I found a lot of these custom uh, places that do custom prints was because I would get a lot of requests almost specifically for anime. Right. Um, and I try to accommodate everybody. And, um, you know, there's a lot of licensed material out there, and it's beautiful, but, you know, it's there's expensive. not... It's expensive, and there's not a lot of the particular stuff. And... Um, I just, I, and I, I personally uh, love supporting the artist as well, knowing that the artist is being reimbursed directly before it's printed um, is a process that I'm happy to stand by. And it makes it a little bit more unique and original as well. It's a little bit harder to find, um, not terribly hard, so you'll see some other people with it, but um, anything more unique and more one of a kind is what I try to aim to give my customers so they get their one only purse
1: and yeah and it's just not um, what am I going to say it's not very it's not plain you Mm -hmm. actually do you know, straps and, and colorful zippers and, and little oh, things have, on the side. I have
4: zippers that glow in the dark, that are <laughs> blacklight reactives, that are rainbow. Um, you know, even the metal hardware um, comes in at least six different finishes. And sometimes the rivets aren't even just circled. They'll be like a Mickey Mouse head or, oh, or Star work. Wars Rebellion, uh, Imperial symbols. Like all those, for me at least, the little tiny details um, add up to... A larger story that your bag can tell. Uh, zipper pools, are, I've been having a lot of fun with those lately where um, the types of zipper pools I'll get will be like you know it'll be a bloody knife if it's a horror bag right. or it'll be um, a Captain America shield if it's a Captain America bag um, which is my favorite. Well <laughs> so. I know because
1: I was here yesterday when you go saying I was gonna bring my old my old shield <laughs> and, yeah and it's fun did you ever find your Captain Carter?
4: I did find an Agent Carter, but not a Captain Carter. Uh. So um, today I'm fortunate enough to have some time to walk the floor, and my eyes have been open and looking. Not yet, so fingers crossed I see her before the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen her yet. I I mean, I I would have thought that someone would have brought her, so...
4: I would have thought I would have seen a few, to be honest. It's, she's very I've already popular seen right female now.
1: Thors. Oh. Uh, and yeah. it's not it's not the classic Thor outfit. It's the actual newer. The movie. The yeah. movie Thor. And yeah, people has, can
4: do a lot from just the trailer.
1: Yeah, it's like, I that's not the older one that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a girl that used to do the cons uh, a long time ago, and she did a female Thor. And right about the time she did the female Thor, that's when... Warner, or where they turned around and said, "We're changing that."
4: Guess what?
1: <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, is it inspired by her, or did they actually were already planning on doing it?" Because she was quite popular as a cosplayer.
4: I did um, my my side my side job other than making purses is I, I do work at a comic book store, so I can actually answer that question and oh, say that cool. in the comics, Jane Foster uh, does become Thor for a run. And that was shortly. Um, that that's kind of a newer series too, within the past five years. So they were inspired by the one of the recent runs of the comics,
1: ah. and the movie kind of
4: imitated the art.
1: Well, and I suppose that's what they kind of do. They always say in the in in the in the small print somewhere it's based yes. on the comic, or it's I, based on the. Book. And
4: I find the 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 MCU in particular and comics, they kind of go back and forward with inspiring each other. So sometimes it comes from the comics first. Sometimes the movie inspires a comic and a comic is made. And um, so it's very, you know, symbiotic.
1: So out of your products that you make, do you have one particular product that sticks out so much that you have everyone saying, I want this, I want that one, I want that one?
4: There's, I have two that come to mind. Um, one, because I'm terribly biased and it's the first time I made it. But I started doing cosplay themed bags and I started with a Captain America Captain right. <laughs> cosplay themed bag. And I, I had just made it for myself to use and I posted a picture of it and it was just like, it blew up on my social media. And everybody started requesting other characters and their favorite characters. So I started sketching out designs for other ones I would do. Um, so it, it looks very much like the superhero suit. Um, uh-huh. You get the emblem, the you know the part of the ribcage area. Right. And uh, I have plans for a Loki, an Iron Man, a Winter Soldier, a Batman, and those are well, Wonder Woman. And those are, I mean, the second people saw that Captain America bag, they were like this, but all, <laughs> but all. And I- the, the second one that does come to mind are the mini backpacks I make. Um, because there's a lot of room. It's a lot of canvas um, to get creative with. And uh, people love the convenience of a backpack.
1: When you were doing the Captain America thing yesterday, I did kind of get an idea of something, (laughs) especially since there are so many people doing 3D printings right now. I was like, what if you took the Captain America shield that's been printed in 3D about, oh, I don't know, eight, nine inches around, whatever, and then put your canvas or your fabric on the inside and made it a clamshell type bag.
4: Oh, that would be very cute. So
1: you'd have two Captain America shields combined and then the bag inside.
4: Very of it. nice. Yeah. So. I've, I've done Captain America shield bags, um, which is just a basic circle bag. Um, but anytime I can uh, step it up and bring a little bit more extra to it, I'm. I'm Always happy to try to do that.
1: And that one might be kind of cool. I think it'd be Uh, cool.
4: And it's something I haven't seen before. That's another thing I strive to do is not just imitate what I see, but, you know, put out something that maybe people would like to imitate.
1: Another thing with uh, where you were doing some of the others, like the Loki bags, Mm if you can find a way to incorporate the horns as a, a clasp or yes. something to come across the like top have
4: them come down as a magnet or something <laughs> that'd be really cool that,
1: there, there's a lot of different things that make him could make them unique so um outside of conventions which is is where we're here and of course my wife is a big fan because she's like i'm, I'm so glad that we saw you here and she's <laughs> like i'm always here she's like when I mentioned, they're going, all right, so who are we going to go to see, uh, we can do our podcast with now? And and she's basically, we can go by uh, Sotastic and see if they're there. That makes my heart smile. <laughs> I love she, it. She definitely loves your work so far. So And she follows you on, I think, on Facebook. And That's great. Like that,
4: so. I love that so much. Thank you.
1: Um, so where can we... Uh, Find your works outside of cons, or is there any place?
4: Yeah, so I have a website which is www.sewashtastics.com. Okay. Uh, so it's sew as in sewing. I thought I was being clever when I did the name, but now I perpetually end up having to spell it out to make sure uh, people see the pun. Um, but I do have a website, and I sell there. Um, I also do sell on consignment at to Comics in downtown Glendale.
1: Okay.
4: And um, I also vend at several conventions, not just Phoenix Vanfusions. Um And I do some local markets as well as I find the time for them.
1: Yeah, we used to do a swap meet, but unfortunately clothes were good because the property oh, no, value yes. was, was so I good.
4: ran into that a little bit too, and... And of course, every show and every scene is different. So finding the right venue for my work is, you know, always a process.
1: We were queer, we were quite caught off how popular our stuff became um, at a swap meet that's normally more like a, a garage swap meet. I'm selling my stuff that's been stuck in the closet for six years you know, type things, and we, we laid out our stuff, and people just started coming to us. I was quite surprised. I wasn't expecting that.
4: <laughs> I've had that happen on a few shows. Um, I, I did a witchcrafted event, and I was real, I, pleasantly so, surprised by how well-received and how friendly everybody was, and it's a nice event, and um, it's only a one-day event, too, so that's it almost feels like a break after working a three- or four-day con to do a one-day event. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I get excited about the build-up for the cons because, actually, I'm expecting that I'm going to have con crud. And mm-hmm. if you know anything about con crud, it's the days after the convention where you're, you're feeling ill. Flu symptoms, uh, groggy and all that. I usually kind of, I don't usually always get it, but I'm beginning to feel like I might get it this year. Um, and because the main reason is because the, sim- the symptoms, when you know the symptoms are coming... Uh, the best uh, antibiotic in this case is you come the day before the con and you stay the first day and then the stress kind of is gone by the time the convention actually starts very true very true and I seem to think that the, the con crud doesn't hit me whenever I do that I didn't get a chance to do that this <laughs> no. year, so I'm like... I feel
4: like uh, um, a, a lot of us are a little out of practice as well. Our immune systems are probably a little out of practice with right. being in a convention setting. So I would be surprised if, you know, I would not be surprised, I should say, if a lot of people suffer the con this time around, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. to be a lot of people calling in tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Going, oh, I, I can't make it. I got <laughs> yes, like exactly. I'm sick, oh. Stomach's upset. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we noticed that you're doing the cons and stuff like that. So uh, was this your first Phoenix Fan Fusion? So this
4: was technically my first Phoenix Fan Fusion, but I had done Phoenix Fan Fest, uh, which is the con they used to do in the winter, and they only did it a couple times. Um, but I had I thought Phoenix Fan Fest was actually my first show cool. um, and I've been waitlisted for a while for this show and then happily stumbled into it uh, yeah. happily so because it's been such a great show and I've been attending for years I've been I used to volunteer right. um, all the time and the second they went to the paid model I was like well maybe that's my sign to start looking into vending
1: well, it's, it's a cool place to definitely get your works out there, as long as it's worth it for you. Because I've always been feared by the, the cost of the spaces, you know, am I going to sell yes. enough of my product to... I
4: tend to do shows that I can drive to, uh, right. to save on expenses, because you're absolutely right. The, the expense of the event can easily overwhelm the profits if you're, you know, not lucky. Excuse
1: me. had a cough coming there. But, uh, yeah, there's, I definitely would say that uh, it seems to look like it was a very successful convention. It seemed crowded today, definitely crowded yesterday. Most people I had talked to have said they've already pretty much made their money back on their booths. So I've always chalked that up. If you make your money back on what you put out for it, then it's usually a success. Definitely. But then the other part is, is the connections you make while you're
4: here. Oh, absolutely. I, I already, even, you know, usually with the, the week after the show, I'll, will start getting messages like, hey, I saw you at Phoenix Fan Fusion, or, um, I've already started receiving those messages. So I think that's uh, a very clear indication that, you know, it's been a great show for me.
1: <laughs> I've been getting some of those messages too, but uh, some of mine have been a little bit more uh, creepy. I, uh-huh. I, I did some I did some photos at one of the the body painting, and I got a message out of the blue where a gentleman wanted to buy all my photos of a specific model. Oh. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there going, okay, I can understand the whole thing, but the specific model part kind of scared me a yeah, bit. Yeah, that's <laughs> a
4: kind of a red flag.
1: So I, I did re- I turn around and tell him and I says so I haven't gone through the pictures oh. yet, so. I don't know what I've got, and on top of that, I want to make sure they have her, her approval, approval before I do something like that. And technically, if I'm selling them of her, I, sh- I need to cut her in somehow.
4: Absolutely. So Absolutely. I, don't, I don't
1: want her, and she's a very popular model. She's a very good-looking girl. <laughs> so um, you know, I, I, I did realize that I spent more time taking photos of her, but she's also somebody I've interviewed in the past. So, you had so, the so yeah it's it's kind of that i i know the person already and such and the other gentleman that was actually there who was putting on the event is a, a friend of mine and that's how i got them in matter of fact i did interviews the last um, phoenix fan fusion that was successful like many moons ago <laughs> yeah and i actually had them both together on the same uh, podcast separately but on the same podcast all right, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, is there anything else you want to specific, any specific new projects that you think is going to be so interested that you want to just kind of put some bait in the water?
4: <laughs> well, honestly, uh, the the Captain America USO Girl outfit that you saw yesterday was living in my head, like rent-free, for like five years. And um, that was kind of my big unicorn I was chasing to finish. And now I'm kind of, you know left to free where the wind will take me. And I'm not sure what my big next project will be, but I have had the idea of doing something for my kids. Um, I have two young children, both eight and 10, and we're big Labyrinth fans.
1: Labyrinth fans. That's interesting, because that movie was what, 26?
4: It was my favorite movie as a kid. And so when I had kids, I made sure they saw it, and they really got into it. And I thought it would be kind of adorable to make the ballroom dress from the, the from the crystal ball dancing right. the dream sequence and um, I would love to make that for my daughter and make a Jareth uh, cosplay for my son and that's kind of in the back of my head right now Poss- hopefully for next year if I can time it all right.
1: I have a friend that's a cosplayer and she's not here at this event because uh, unfortunately evidently Star Wars is having an event also uh, and uh She's a big Star Wars fan, no Disney fan, and she does an amazing Jared. Wow. And,
4: uh... I'm a huge David Bowie fan. Like, I got a tattoo for David Bowie, and it all started with Labyrinth. And, yeah. oh my gosh, I would love to see her, <laughs> Gareth.
1: I could probably find it on her Instagram because I, she hasn't, I don't think she's done it recently, but she did an awesome version of it and I'm it's, just like.
4: <sighs> it just seems like such a fun cosplay. I just, and the ballroom dress would be definitely a challenge of my sewing skills. And sometimes you think going smaller would be easier because there's less fabric, but you also have less room to work with all the detail and the fine detail. Right. So I think that would be a fun challenge as well.
1: And. As as cosplayers, it's always neat to be um, how much ingenuity you can put into something. At Sabo, we actually sat in on a couple of panels. One was budget-oriented, and one was uh, about creativity, what they were using for specific parts of their costumes, Mm -hmm. and it was amazing to see. And with some of the stuff that they have now, what they call... um, warbling
4: Oh, yeah. Warbler or like Avifo. Yeah,
1: it, it basically can be formed and it looks like you, know, you can make it look like a piece of yep. armor, but it's lightweight. And, you know, I've seen
4: a lot of people doing 3D printing for like that kind of stuff, too. Really? Uh, now that 3D printers are more readily accessible. I no, mean, Very
1: much so. You've
4: got to do kind of small scale and build up, but you can the level of detail in that armor aspect. You could I've seen a lot of great cosplay with it this year.
1: Yeah, I i, I Never been a really much into the cosplay itself. I do find some of them quite fascinating. Um, but I've always done the, the, the plain Jane type of costumes, mm-hmm. ones that don't take a whole lot of variations. I, yeah. I came as a, a brown coat from Firefly one year. There which you go. Acquired a, a <laughs> cowboy hat and, you know, rena- not Renaissance, but a cowboy hat, Western wear, yeah. and a brown coat. Then, boom, I'm there. <laughs> you know, uh, a couple well, of years ago, that. I did. Uh, Uh, a Death Eater from Harry Potter. So, black, black black cloak, (laughs) black cloak. (laughs) Put a snake on my arm, you know, I'm fine. Easy, (laughs) easy. Yep, easy stuff. All right, we're going to go ahead and tie this up, and hopefully we can... uh, See you sell out more of your products.
4: <laughs> I, I certainly hope so too. <laughs> I mean, they seem
1: to be getting they're going quickly. It's a little
4: sparse, and I it's a very nice feeling to see that.
1: It is. I mean, it's always fun, and I've actually been to some events where people turn around going, "I've sold everything out," <laughs> ah. and so they left. They're, their table's totally bare, and I'm like, "Wow!" <laughs> it's, it's a good
4: problem to have.
1: Yeah, not if you pay for a room, though. <laughs> it's <laughs> like I'm I'm here. I pay for the room. I can't get money back on that, so I'm here. <laughs> All right, well, I thank you, and uh, hopefully we'll see you again next year.
4: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
1: No problem. All right, we are here again at Phoenix Fan Fusion. It is the last day again. I've been saying it every day of I know. I'm getting worried. I'm going through withdrawal already. Uh, And we are with James Owen, a foundation brick in the (laughs) Fan Fusion, or Fan... Fanfusion, fan, uh, Phoenix Comic Con, what was the other one? Festa? Festa, yeah. yeah. Festa. <laughs> been, I don't know how many different things now. You are the brick. You're the, the, the house uh, the house author. You lay the foundation. <laughs> oh, I'll take that.
0: That's, that's very kind of you to say.
1: How how has the uh, con been since uh, it's been a year or so?
0: <laughs> you know, um, pretty fantastic. The, the vibration has been uniformly high everyone is so happy to be back fans are happy the staff is happy even the security guys are happy well i don't know about one they they really kind
1: of ransacked one of the friends (laughs) i had (laughs) outside they wouldn't let him in oh really yeah because well actually it's a whole different issue but he had a he had a dslr camera oh and it didn't say press on his thing so they wouldn't let him in oh wow that's weird and spin him a staple too so I (laughs) thought it was weird but anyway (laughs) everyone's back and and I'm I'm loving the feel and I was worried that
0: we might not bring in the crowds and you know they they announced when this started that they were projecting attendance 15 to 20 percent higher than in 2019 and you know what I'm thinking it's exceeded that
1: yeah it, it definitely has the feel that it's there So I'm kind of like, man, we are really. It feels like we're back, and it feels like it. But and I also know they came back a little lean this year, yeah, um, because they didn't do the the top floor uh, area, which I I configured. I I think
0: that's okay. You know, I think um, the fact that we've got all the guests um, on the same floor as the exhibit hall, I think, is beneficial for the exhibit hall. Yeah. It's a good layout um, for the guests too, and I'm I'm okay with people not having to go up and down different floors.
1: Oh God, yes, I know my 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 knee, which has been bothering me for about I don't know two years. <laughs> um, it has been good that I don't have to spend a lot of time running up and down. Sure. Because you know you do a photo op, you know you're down here buying stuff, and then all of a sudden you got to run up three floors. Right. To to do a photo op, you're like, okay, I'm done.
0: <laughs> it's noon. No, okay, I think, let me I think sit the down. flow has been good. <laughs> um, sales have been really good. I've been drawing dragons for lots of people. Oh, yeah, um, I know. Signing lots of books. It's, it's been pretty bonkers.
1: Yeah, and I just love the flow, and, and the feel's been good. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of familiar faces. I spent all Friday. I didn't do anything podcasting-wise or yeah. anything. I, went up, I just got the lay of the land on Friday. Sure. And I'm just like, I know where everyone is now, so I know where I need to come back to. (laughs) Very cool. But it gave me an idea that I need to do. I need to invent an app with GPS that cons can use. Oh, sure. So you can turn it around going, I want to go to this one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get a little announcement in your head saying, take a left at aisle 600. I could (laughs) have used that for my
0: panels yesterday.
1: (laughs) Well, that would be a really (laughs) interesting thing to do. But can't see it happening, but it would be nice. (laughs) So, all right. Um, now, you just recently finished up your last,
0: what was it, the last yeah, book in your the, series? The most recent book is Book 8 in the Chronicles of the Imaginarium Geographica. Okay. It's called The Dragon Knight, and it came out during the pandemic. So, this is the first show we've had that book available at. And you still have some? Uh, barely. <laughs> <laughs> we brought a lot of them, and we're down to the last few and a couple of damaged copies. And <laughs> it's uh, today's uh, been great. Yesterday was crazy for sales. And... Yeah.
1: Well, I know that you've always had really good success down here at Phoenix Fan Fusion, so you usually come walking out of there with a lot less than... Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, the
0: van's going to be lighter on the way home, definitely.
1: Yeah, get some big, get better gas mileage, <laughs> yeah. which is good. That might be a good thing, <laughs> you know, the gas mileage. Oh, thing. no kidding. But uh, um, now that you've actually had the opportunity, did you get a chance to actually go out and run into some of the people that you...
0: Um, Only a little bit. Mike McCone was a a comics artist that was drawing for the Hero Initiative. Uh And we actually uh, got Brian Augustine's uh, donation bin from his wife Nadine at his Memorial Friday Uh and have been collecting donations for the Hero Initiative charity. And I brought my own Superman sketchbook and got a sketch from Mike in that... Which was one of the things I really wanted to do personally. And so I didn't get to see a number of other people, mostly because I've been working. Right. And I can't feel bad about that because, you know, that's that's what pays the bills.
1: Being, yeah, being busy is always a good thing, but I, I cannot believe all the familiar faces that I've been running into oh, sure. since we've been doing this. And it's been nice to go in, and I've had people going, you know, you did an interview with with me two years ago. It was my very first one. I want to thank you for it. Oh sure. And and it's amazing when people remember. I mean, like, I haven't seen Ryan in, you know, in in years, and turned around, and he goes, Robert! Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm like, that's sweet. You know, it's it's good to know that we're not being lost. Oh, sure. In in all the transition. But, uh, um, so, you're your
0: eighth book. Are you going to go for a ninth? I am. Um, the thing I'm working on right now is finishing up the art retrospective called Illustrations and Illuminations. And it's a career retrospective of my art. Uh, we did a Kickstarter for it last fall. And so it's just about to go off to the printer. And uh, it's a full color, 240 page cloth bound slipcase, wow. high end book. Dang. And once that's off to the printer, I'm working on book nine, which is called The Drive of Dragons.
1: Drive of Dragons. It's not an Uber-related thing, right? Say <laughs> again? It's not Uber-related uh, no. you No. Know? <laughs> that'd be interesting. That's Lyft. Uber, Uber, for, Uber, for, Uber for dragons. Yeah, that'd be good. We'd get Uber to sponsor it. Yeah, <laughs> There we go. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. It's, it's awesome to see that you're one of those people that have been able to stay creative Um, because i talked to so many authors in this last um day or so that said uh, when the pandemic hit them it it was like a smack in the face their creativity was just kind of down the drain and i was sitting there going i would have thought that this would have been the time where you say i can get stuff done right you know i don't have to be here i don't have to do that i can just get stuff done but it seems that so many people had the creative flow just Sucked
0: right out. I of them. I tried to take the opportunity to buckle down and get caught up on some things, and uh, you know that was nice. But at the same time, it's really nice to be back here and just soak in the energy of all the fans and people happy to be here and you know loving comics.
1: Yeah, and there and knowing that all these new conven- or all these conventions are just coming back and starting on um, fire. Yep. Because I know that you like to go up to uh, uh, Fan X, right? I've been
0: there several times. I'm probably not going to be doing it this year. So the next one I've got is Tucson.
1: Tucson. I actually I was debating about going down to Tucson. Tucson.
0: They're they're a solid show. Yeah. Um. I, it's the other home hometown show basically for me.
1: Yeah. The, the one I thing I don't like about the Tucson, at least the last time I was down there is when i try to do interviews they were always using the intercom system and oh. it was so <laughs> overwhelming and we had done an interview down uh-huh. there and i had to trash every interview i did oh my gosh because uh, the intercom was just so overpowering oh gotcha um uh, and i that's one of the reasons why like here they don't use the intercom yeah they not that much i don't think i've ever heard them at all today oh not in ever.
0: the mornings i think um, mornings and at the end
1: Telling telling the actors, actors and illustrators to get to your booth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to open the doors in a few minutes. Get there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I might actually have to try to go down to Tucson. If not, uh, maybe a, a a day. I, I won't to be there all weekend. I can't afford that now. <laughs> the uh, income has definitely affected everything. Oh too, sure. So. But uh, I am absolutely fantastically excited get back into this uh flow where people are able to talk be able to get out and see the artists get out and see the 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 artwork and as i was explaining to some of your illustrations on your posters here they are unbelievably detailed (laughs) Uh, and i always every time i talk about them i turn around and say seriously you've got to buy one Put it on the wall, but you can look at it every day for like a year and find something <laughs> you did not see something that's last That's
0: kind of the intent. I wanted to do something that people could get get a little bit out of for a very long time.
1: It makes who, Where's Waldo sound <laughs> like, a, 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 like a, here's a dot, here's a dot, here's a square peg. Put right. In a, I mean, it's it's real easy to do will Waldo compared to your, your detail work. And, and, and it's amazing what you put in there. Because sometimes it's, it it a lot of the stuff is not always related to the time period. Well, that you're you know, to
0: if you're going to do some five foot wide drawings, you're going to need to look around and <laughs> put a little of everything around you in there.
1: Yeah, well, that's a do, lot of space to fill. It, it is, but you do it very well. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you got shelves of shelves of stuff in your illustration right. that's just got all kinds of different. Honestly, pieces.
0: the hardest part in either of those big drawings, the big fool's hollow art prints, Uh I put my mother's braided rug in one of those drawings, and having to draw a big oval rug with all the braids in it in three different textures, in black and white, (laughs) underneath debris, behind light sources and smoke.
1: But did did your mom find them?
0: You know, well, it worked out, Um, and my mom was happy, so... That's important. Make your mother's happy. That's always. You'll go good. far in life.
1: Yeah, I know. I got to print. I got a <laughs> I have a a book that I did out in, in uh, digital and I have to print it cuz my mom wants a, a hardback oh, a nice. copy. So I got to I got to print that eventually. <laughs> That'll be one of those eventually things. But I I am glad to see you back. I'm glad to see you. you're very close The kids need to read, which yep. makes it also very easy to always. Find you. Always. <laughs> and uh I just so excited to see everyone, you know, doing so well. I mean, I haven't really heard any negative uh, comments yet that they've had no, issues.
0: So everyone's just had a great time.
1: Yeah, and it, it's been hysterically awesome. So, do you have anything else that you want to attire? Uh, attire? I am really getting tired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. Um, just that I'm real happy to be able to keep doing what it is I love, and the fans have been showing up. And the ones that grew up with my books are showing up and buying them as adults. And I think that's awesome. And and uh, I'm just going to keep on keeping on and get some more books done.
1: Okay. Well, I got a few moments. And I really kind of want to do a really brief question on because um, you're going to need to put in a little bit of detail. Um, the people that don't know you uh-huh. and don't know that how long you've been doing this because um, you're my age. And you've been doing this since you well, were a teenager.
0: That art mm-hmm. book I mentioned, that's a thirty-five year career retrospective. Right.
1: Well I what I want to, to, to kinda of get an, a quick piece of information uh-huh. on I know when you were doing this earlier you got into that car accident. Right. And I wanted you to kind of explain a little bit about that car accident and how long how you got back.
0: Well, the the project I started with was in comics. It was a comic book series called Star Child. And I was only two issues into it. And the first issue paid for itself, second one didn't. A week after that, I smashed up my drawing hand in a car accident. And a lot of people said he had a lot of promise, but that was over now. Right. And I had to decide how badly I wanted to do this. And everything I've done in my career that people know me for, the dragon books and all this other work, happened after that accident, because I decided this is what I do. Right. And no one would have blamed me if I had stopped drawing then. But I went to physical therapy four hours a day for eight months right. and put screws into blocks of wood with my thumb and fingers to be able to hold a pen and pencil again and teach myself how to draw. And in the meantime, I did a prequel called Start Out Number Zero. There was a half page of typeset text on each page and a half page illustration that I laid out with my left hand right. and got other cartoonists to actually finish. And that sold thousands and thousands of copies and it basically established my career instead of ending it. Right. And that gave me the time to heal and get back to doing issues on my own. And my career pretty much took off from there, became sustainable. And everything else I've done has come from making those few choices to move forward even though lots of people around me said it it was over
1: and oddly enough and you can't tell or because this is a podcast that story actually brings tears to my eyes almost every time <laughs> and um, you do such as i said such detailed work and knowing that when you were basically a teenager this could have been yeah fun. if you would have been out and moved on to you know flipping burgers at mcdonald's or something you know yeah it's it was fantastic that you actually were able to overcome the issues that you were given uh and when doctors were saying that you're never going to get the same kind of uh, flexibility you're never going to get that back to what you had and you turned around and basically proven them otherwise yeah which kind of leads to me to the same conclusion that i've always thought Doctors are stupid. They don't really know what they're talking about. <laughs> Seriously, I had my there's, mom go to a doctor and she they, they kept going, kept going, kept going. We don't know what she's talking about. There's
0: got. a reason and they, they kept, call it practicing medicine, uh, Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for the one that's no longer practicing. Right. right? <laughs> Who actually knows what he's talking about. So. But I wanted to make sure that my readers got a little bit of in depth of, of how you are and how you got to this point. I mean, as I said, you've been doing this for. 30 some odd years yeah. you near my age you were basically one of the youngest um, um, exhibitors at uh, uh, San, San Diego. Diego yeah so and to <laughs> to be an exhibitor at San Diego at your age and had to be driven oh yeah. You know, yeah I didn't have
0: a license yet so yeah. my aunt drove us
1: it's, it's phenomenal <laughs> the fact that you were able to get all that and keep all that going well and I
0: still do business with people I've known since I was 16 years old
1: that's wicked that is absolutely wicked all right well i'm going to let you go uh, so you can get back to it because i know you are got a busy list of uh drawings i, I got a big raps.
0: stack here waiting for me so and, and
1: you're, you're going to be doing that right up until they say okay the floor's closed oh yeah oh i'm sure so you'll be mailing but it, out the final but it's all problems. good yeah. you know all right so we'll go ahead and talk to you later and uh maybe i'll see you down in tucson sounds <laughs>
0: like a plan all right we'll see you later thank you robert I see trees of green, red roses too.
1: I see them blue for me and you, and I think to myself, Bullshit! What a wonderful world!
3: Where
0: are you going? I'm going to pack a fight. Don't be too
2: proud of this technological terror you've constructed.